What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Now we're going to kidnap the kid. Okay. But I want you to leave the mother alive. What do you, what do you want from her? Go away! Go away! So what's the problem here? I want my child! All right, all right, calm down. Now look, you made the report. You got to give the police some time. I'm just sick and tired of you! You understand? Yes, sir. All right, go, go. When Joe Fresno double-crossed his buddies, and then he skipped out with all the loot. We need your help. I need to find my husband, Joe. They took him, they kidnapped him, now they're holding for the money. We'll get Stevie back. Then let me help you. I told you to watch him. I don't know Go what happened. Go get spaghetti. Hey, the kid's gone. Six million dollars, Jesus Christ. It's all right, kid, we'll be all right. You don't do anything right! Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called Us a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called Us a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Hello. I can't believe it's almost the middle of July. This year has gone by so fast for me. I don't know about you guys. Yep. Before you know it, it's tax time. Uh, I, it's weird. I was thinking about that the other day and dreading it. I, I think you gave me a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like an idiot every time tax time comes. Well, because you <laughs> think you're going to get this big, you know, return and then you just get screwed over. Or at yeah. Least I do. And it's like, I feel like I did everything right. And then like my tax guy is like, no, well, you just made too much money last year, <laughs> which is like. What? Tell it to my <laughs> bank account. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it always drives me crazy. I have, well, welcome to, uh, you know, adulthood, I guess, kids <laughs> out there. But yeah, you, you, you think you do the right thing. Like, no, you, you, you did too much, but not yeah. enough where you don't get taxed. <laughs> Fuck. Can't believe I'm, I, I really am thinking about it in July. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, it, it's, it's weird that we, we bring up being in adulthood. I've, I had to start wearing knee braces for when I exercise because I, I, I get those, you know, it, it cracks now when I bend a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it's all downhill from here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You chalk it up to be like as soon as I had to go on like cholesterol medication, I was like, yep, I'm an adult. Yep. <laughs> yeah, this is where it ends. Mm-hmm. So thanks, yeah. Mark. I appreciate that. <laughs> Bring that up. <laughs> no problem. That's That's what I'm here for. Keeping things yeah. in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> um, none of us really watched anything this week. I watched something, but we're going to get to it when every, all of us have watched it. But uh, I believe, Dan, you had a question for us. 
I did, yeah. And um, this was this kind of harkens back to a couple episodes ago where we were talking about Stranger Things. And I, Mark, I know you haven't seen it, but you can weigh in on this because you you, you watch a lot of TV as well. Uh, everyone talks about the Eddie Munson scene with the Master of Puppets uh, solo, and it, it it dawned on me, or it occurred to me, do you think the actors of a show or a movie are aware that they're filming something that's going to be iconic? Now, you know, that it, it could be uh, up for debate if you want to say that that scene is iconic or not, but in my opinion, it's it's going to live on for quite a while. People are going to remember that scene. Do you think actors like know in their you know deep down like this is going to be something epic? I think for something like that, that's like that. I feel like that one was written to be like, all right, this is kind of like a show stopping. This is the end of. This is basically the season finale. This is everything is culminating into this episode. So I, I feel like there is a little bit of gravitas given to that scene, probably when they shot it and when they wrote it. So I don't think it's um, should be a shock to anybody, but I'm sure there are plenty of scenarios where, you know, they just caught lightning in a bottle and certain things and like, Oh yeah. Didn't realize that was going to happen, but it did. Yeah. This I, is my answer. Um, I feel honestly that I think it, there's way more on the other side where they get done filming something, think it's going to be epic, and then nobody really cares about it. That's true, too. I, I think that happens a lot more uh, than the actual, you know, realizing that something's great. I mean, I know I've seen some things with comedians where they're, like, writing a joke, and they're like, this is going to kill, and they go out there, and it's, like, not even, like, bomb. It just, there's just silence. Like, there's no groan or, you know, that was a bad joke. It was just like, oh, oh, that's the joke. It didn't resonate with anybody. You know, sort of, and, you know, um, yeah, because, like they said, they would rather at least bomb or do well, because then they would know it's the middling that sucks. And I can't imagine um, doing, like, a dramatic, emotional scene and then, like, sneaking into the movie and see, oh, everybody's going to be crying at this, and then there's just nothing, like, no reaction. (laughs) That's got to suck, because I think it's more, going back to Ant's point of lightning in a bottle, I think those moments uh, probably happen more than we think um, in terms of it probably like the way it was filmed or whatever. Because I can imagine I haven't seen this scene from Stranger Things, um, but I would imagine it's like filmed in front of a green screen and or the video walls or whatever. And they don't really get to see the finished product. So maybe they're like, ah, it kind of sounds cool, but I, you know, you know, I don't know. And then they don't see it until it's completely finished and then realize what they did. So they don't know it day of. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I can, I can imagine being the worst part, I guess, about being an artist. Um, just uh, not, not that she's uber talented, but um, that I can see from just my, my sister's side of it is they are much more, everything they do sucks more than seeing things epic. You know, it's like, Oh no, that was terrible. I was awful in that scene. And don't you see that little flaw in it when they go back and watch them, you know, and stuff like that more than understand, like feeling epic in it, as as you said. Um, But yeah, I can I can imagine, especially the actor, if he was like really into, you know, that genre of music would probably be more hype about it than a normal actor in there. 
But then again, I haven't seen the scene. So that's a good come, point, though, because there's so much secret secret secrecy surrounding these projects now because of, you know, social media that sometimes the actors are left in the dark, like you were saying, Mark. Right. So they're filming the scene and they might not know the impact that it's going to cause because they don't even know what's happening during or maybe after. So I, I'm assuming, as Anthony was saying, for this scene in Stranger Things, it, you know, the character of Eddie, the, the actor, he he did know what was going on, obviously. So he might have known in his head, like, this is going to be something people talk about for years to come. But in other works, the, the actor might not know how big it's going to be for, uh, you know, pop culture. I was just curious if, if yeah, that was I, something you guys had ever thought about. I, I think an example I go to is I go back to that, that famous photo of Michael Jordan in Space Jam when he's doing his acting scenes and it's just guys in green suits around him. Um, I can't imagine in that moment he thought, oh, it's going to be looking really cool. It's going to be Bugs Bunny there. And that's going to be, you know, he's just got these grown men in full green suits just sort of moving around in front of him doing that. In that moment, I don't think he's like, Oh, this is going to really resonate with the kids. I get true. this. <laughs> that, that reminds me, um, a friend of mine at work showed me, we were, we were talking about uh, this one movie that I wanted to watch, Mad God on Shudder. I, I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Mark, I don't yeah. think you like it. Probably I, not me. I, I have been toying with watching it, but I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. I was going to watch it, but I, I forgot your password. So oh. <laughs> I, I didn't want to mooch. So um, <laughs> regardless... We, we got on practical effects and green screen and all that. And the movie Call of the Wild came up with Harrison Ford. Do you, do you, have, do you guys remember that? Oh, the, with, the, with the CGI dog. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a picture of Harrison Ford with the mocap actor playing the dog. And I just you could I could just imagine the actor in the mocap suit just having to work with someone as cranky as Harrison Ford, who's just mm-hmm. judging the hell out of you, like this is what you like went to school for and everything, and it it just to me it it's not worth it to do that line of work with someone like that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he he's not gonna he's not gonna respect you at the end of the day. Sure, but I mean, like Andy Circus has made a career out of it, so it's true he has. He I think he's like the outlier, right? Most of these people aren't really known for their mocap work outside of Andy Circus. Yeah, I think he's the. uh at the forefront of uh, mocap actors. Yeah, if there's an ape out there that needs to be CGI'd in, he's your guy. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's all. Huh? Yeah, that, I, that's pretty much it. I Having not seen anything, and again, being too afraid to ask you for your uh, shutter password, like, I got to think of something <laughs> to fill the time here, so. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's uh, fine, because I probably didn't remember my, <laughs> my shutter password anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll, t- I'll make one, one final point with it. I think you... This would be a, a fun question for like a panel of people from different forms of the medium, like uh, the difference between, you know, like a Broadway actor, a, you know, television movie and just see what like what their mindsets are while they're filming stuff. Because like, enough for the Broadway person, it's obviously when they're in rehearsals and stuff uh, before they get to the live crowd. Just do they ever like truly like believe it's going to be great and that it is great or is it? more higher percentage of a time that it doesn't land. I just, I just love panel interviews, so I would be in like that. That's a good I think question. Every, I think everybody that makes something thinks it's going to be worth it. I mean, I guess the, 
The question is whether or not it's going to be iconic. I think I think yeah. it's probably a difference of the actor that is, you know, self-loathing or the producer that's looking at dailies and is like, this is a fucking hit, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah I think I, that's a different perspective of it, too. Because in my mind, and you guys might groan at this, but the first thing that would come to my mind is, like, say, uh, Mel Gibson in Braveheart doing the speech, right? The uh, They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Like, at that point, that's probably something where you know you know, he, he's a hot actor. Uh, it's a big budget film. You probably know in that point, this is going to be big. It's, go, it's going to hit. But it, it, I like some of the things that aren't as well known, maybe, that that resonate more. Yeah, yeah sure. I'm sure I'm sure when they're in the production of that movie, that that scene was like highlighted, underlined, circled. Like, yeah. we're going to spend a week on this scene alone because we know this is our Oscar moment. This is going to be the scene that we're going to cut for the trailer. Like it, all that stuff is, is predetermined more or less We're but like a, as easily as that move, that scene in that movie is to pinpoint. I mean, people thought cats was going to be an Oscar winner. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, for sure. So yeah. there was probably a scene, you know, Jennifer Hudson's solo in that movie was probably circled, underlined. They spent three weeks talking, getting ready for it and a week shooting it. And then it became cats. It's such a weird dynamic where because yeah. like, you're right. I'm sure none of these actors go into it thinking that they're going to. You know, it's going to bomb or whatever, or their performance isn't going to stand out. But I'm sure there's one or two instances where the the actor is in some kind of smaller film, and you know they're they, they're putting their all into it, and it just bam, it hits lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if if you could predict it, they would basically. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like Nicolas Cage in a Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. You know, he, that's not a, a a big movie, but he's hitting. <laughs> He gets lightning in a bottle several times in that movie. Just hitting yeah. dingers in that movie. Yeah, just, just putting on a clinic. <laughs> All right, I think we talked this this uh, this topic to death. We are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some ads so we can pay those bills, and we will be back in a second. Welcome back, and before we get into this week's movie, we got a little bit of house cleaning. Already, it's time to talk about our July movie of the month. So... This month, at the end of this very month, uh, is Shark Week. So we decided to hitch our wagon to that star and piggyback on that. And we're going to do some shark movies. So if you're listening to this on Thursday or after the week of the 18th, we're going to put up a poll on our Twitter. You can check that out. TikTam pod, T-C-T-A-M pod. And we will have a poll go for the week. And you could choose between three movies of what and the winner we will watch the end of the month. So this week, this month, we are doing shark movies. I am going to pick Jaws 3D because it's amazing. Mark, your movie yeah. is. I'm choosing The Meg. The Meg. When Jason Statham. And then Dan, you are going to pick Shark Tale, the animated feature starring sure. one William Smith. Yes. Yeah, that. uh you guys took all the good ones, so I, I was kind of <laughs> grasping at straws is it, there. Is, is that what Will Smith's going to do now? He's going to change the William Smith after the slap. <laughs> Just so. I could hope. You got to rebrand. Yeah. It's like changing from 24 to 8 in 
basketball. <laughs> basketball. <laughs> well, for no yeah. reason in particular, you know. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Those are the movies we're going to pick. So look out for that next week. If you're listening to it, the week we release this and then check out the episode, which will air July 28th. So now with that out of the way, we are going to talk about this week's movie. And this week was Mark's pick. So Mark, why don't you tell us what movie you picked? Yeah. So, um, I was looking around, um, cause I'm not as, in tune with with bad movies as the two of you are um so i take from many sources and i saw a perfect storm um brew um i was thinking about samurai cop um, as one does um and then i miraculously saw uh, a video from years ago uh from uh red letter media and um they said uh we found the first movie from the guy that made samurai cop and it is the movie we watched this week. It is called Hollywood Cop. And yeah, it you can the the guy had a type in terms of movies. Um, you can see a lot of the same setups and shots, and like not even trying to fake. Like obviously, Samurai Cop's the second the second or third movie he makes. But like you you see this movie and you're like, oh, this guy just had a certain idea of what um these kinds of movies would be like and just went for it and just interchanged characters in it like i saw a thing where they put side by side photos from like multiple um scenes in samurai cop and hollywood cop that are basically the same scene just with different actors in it in Mm. terms of camera setup and lighting and all that stuff um so it was kind of fun to jump into this um yeah because uh it's been about a year uh since samurai cop um so yeah that, that's really the only reason I picked it. I, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, it didn't have as much of... It didn't have the highs of Samurai Cop, uh, but it had the right amount of moments where um, I was I was in on certain things that occurred. And also, there was a character named Spaghetti, so that ultimately gets a thumbs up from me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan, where are you coming from with, with Hollywood Cop? So this movie is a special movie for me. Because I've never, from the movies that we've watched, I've never watched one where I was all on board in the first half and then completely taken out of it the second half. Like, I went from 100 to zero pretty quickly in this movie. And we're going to get into where that, you know, that that wall, where I hit that wall. But I I love certain parts of this movie where um, it's clearly just all over the place and it's cha- it's chaos and i love that um the the sound editing is terrible these weird cuts to you know you're in a serious moment to a joyous moment just hard cuts to that there's a scene where uh a cop gets shot in the back and then this like jaunty music starts playing <laughs> just i it, it's again chaos i love it and then it just it starts to get like the the, the director almost decided oh, i'm going to try to make a competent movie here and it becomes super boring but um yeah mark as mark was alluding to this the, this director had certain um motifs that he liked playing with especially one of them being the horny uh uh cop partner mm-hmm. and from samurai cop and then now hollywood cop where uh the actor who plays jaguar is just always looking to fuck yep in any scene that he's in in this movie and I'm pretty sure he's like successful in a couple of them, maybe like off off screen. 
but yeah, this, uh, this, this movie looks like it was shot in the seventies, even though it came out in 1988. Yeah. It's very gritty and, and dirty looking. Um, but man, it, this was a gem up until the second half of this, uh, until the second half of the movie hit. Yeah. As for me, I had seen the red letter media, um, video that they had done back a while, a long time ago when it, I think when it first came out. And at the beginning of this podcast, when we were work, when we were doing like a month, a monthly podcast, I was also writing articles uh, on those off weeks. And I actually wrote an article for Hollywood Cop. Um, yeah. So I had seen this before. It's as Dan said, it's great in the first half. And then it just it just kind of overstays its welcome really more than anything. It's an hour and 40 minutes and it could be like 85 and because it feels every bit of that hour and 40 minutes it's a lot of fun but there is it just gets really bloated at the end where we have like extended extended shootouts extended car chases and then more extended shootouts where not a whole lot is happening where you could easily cut i'd say at least 20 minutes out out of this movie um if you kind of you could streamline some plot points a little bit and kind of cut out some scenes but uh the incompetence is kind of fun. You know, we've got ridiculous uh, line deliveries of ridiculous lines. Uh, we've got an oil wrestling scene that, you know, happens in front of a mother that's grieving her kidnapped son. Just like, oh, yeah, we will we'll get to try and figure out where your son is. But first, let me oil wrestle these two women for uh, five minutes or so. Uh, it's kind of funny in that way. Uh, yeah. Just kind of undercutting what suppose what would be in real life a very serious situation and then the dad just drops blood cancer on us that, oh, that might be my favorite moment in the movie and he uses it to justify leaving his family and just going off to fuck hookers that scene that's a that's a powerhouse scene right there guys the kid that was an oscar moment and and that's what I was talking about, guys. All right. When right. we're talking about lightning in a bottle, look no further. <laughs> look no further than the I have blood yeah. cancer. That guy oh. na- thought he nailed it. He's like, yep. <laughs> this movie, I was texting you guys earlier. This movie has the greatest quote in all. There, There is nothing better. You know, like uh, Rosebud and, you know, uh, you're going to need a bigger boat. It's bullshit compared to this line. And... <laughs> Do you, do you know what I'm going to say, Ant? I think you're going to say the one that's, I know this guy just fucked your wife. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, man, I know this guy fucked your wife, but he's our guy now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's such a good delivery and such a good scene. Oh, it's just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. And then the guy just proceeds to decapitate the dude with a machete. Yeah, and the, they don't stop him. Nope. The cops don't stop them. They're like, all right, well, that's done with. Yeah, what are you going to do? Arrest them? <laughs> right. right. Like, oh. you, just, you just shoved it in his face that his wife got raped in front of him. <laughs> but I, I love that guy because he, he gave that line delivery too where he's, where he's saying, he disrespected me. He must pay. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of get it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's just, just setting up to get yelled at by Cameron Mitchell. That's all it was. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's a great scene. Yeah. Yes. There. Yeah. This. I think the one thing that would have made this movie better for me, and maybe I was looking for a, a better movie, 
um, would have been is if that lieutenant ended up being like in on it, um, you know, like in cahoots with the mob, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's, you know, that's why he slow played the wife coming in or the mother coming in and, you know, was trying to arrest our hero, which Turquoise is a great last name. Um, <laughs> for so, many good, so many good names in this. Oh, they're, they're all incredible. Um, but yeah, it was like, I was, I was waiting for like, uh, the Lieutenant to start arresting him and then go, uh, you know, our hero just go, you know what? Uh, I had a little talk with our friend, Mr. Fong, and, uh, he wants to, uh, talk about your membership, Lieutenant. Right. You know, as sort of a, you know, way of connecting all that stuff instead of just having him be some kind of semi, uh, cop who knows karate a little bit. <laughs> in the yeah. Sense there. And yeah. I enjoyed the fact of all the fat bikers beating up the, the martial artist. Yeah. The bikers come out of nowhere too. It's like, Hey, remember that cop that helped you out the yes. other day? It's amazing. He needs our help. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I don't know how he helped them. Uh, the, all bikers in your back pocket. Aunt. <laughs> the main character, Turkey, right? His name is Turkey. I believe they call him three things. They call him Turk. Call him Turkey and what and like Johnny Turquoise, Turquoise or something like that. Yeah, Turquoise. I I just wrote down Turkey in my notes. It's the yeah. easiest to remember. Did he did he remind you of John C. McGinley at all? Mm, I never thought of that, but okay. I can see it. Yeah, he. Whenever he when I had my head down, I was looking at my phone or whatever, and he would talk. Man, that sounds just like him. He had the cadence of John C. McGinley, so I couldn't. All I saw was John C. McGinley in the in a blonde wig throughout <laughs> this movie. Uh, that's funny yeah so we were talking about uh the the point at which this movie kind of starts to wear out its welcome and i think it's the part where the at the point where the dad dies if i'm you know i I feel like everybody agrees with me because i at the beginning of the movie you kind of think that that's what this whole movie is going to be it's about finding the dad and they find the dad within a half hour yeah yeah and then it's like and it's super easy it's like oh yeah he's got this cousin that's a wrestler and he's working here. Let's go see him. And then and the they, they, go, like, they go to the cousins like, oh, I don't Joe really doesn't want to be found. Like, well, his kid's sick. Oh, well, OK, here's this card that just so happens to have his address right on it that I had in my pocket. Here it is. <laughs> and then and then he's just he's just hanging out with a bunch of hoes. That Everybody was, is. That yeah. was that was one of my favorite things is in multiple times in this movie where paper just fell out of people's pockets or was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Like the note from the kidnappers, he just basically threw it out of his pocket. Onto the, yeah. Onto the ground. Yeah. Um, and then this strategically placed piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and it's, it's, it's so good because, you know, they, the, the writer of this just had to come up with something. Well, how would they get the address? Uh, he just carries it around in his pocket. That's it. Yeah. It, rem- it reminds me of, uh, was it the Neil Breen movie where the guy just drops the card that has the address of where they're keeping yes. the wife? Oh, yeah. Fateful Finding. Fateful yes. Finding. Yeah. yeah. The, the kidnapper just drops it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, sorry, Dan, but I was going to say, so for, at that point, like they, they find the dad and he runs off, they catch him. And then eventually they, they get the money or they quote unquote, get the money to bring back to the kidnappers. And then it winds up being fake money and they wind up killing the dad. And then the kid gets kidnapped for a second time. So it's sort of like 
you think that you're going to watch this whole movie of them finding the dad, eventually finding the dad and that, and that stuff would happen at the, at the climax of the movie, but that happens 40 minutes into the movie and you have an hour left of this movie. So it's like, it really just takes the wind out of your sails. Cause it, it feels like it was like, Oh, well, all right, we're, we're at the end. And then, Nope, no, we're not, we're going to do sort similar things all over again. So it's kind of like retracing your steps a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, the kid, so the, the the kid who gets kidnapped, he escapes twice and is recaptured twice. Mm-hmm. And it, that's too much, just once. That's all you need is the one time recapturing him. And yeah, yeah I, I agree with you, man. The, the first 20 to 25 minutes of this movie is fantastic. It has a shootout in a barn where, with animals all over the place, just people getting blown away. <laughs> uh, there's oil wrestling, like you said, just out of left field the the oil wrestling comes in there's the 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 robbery the rape and robbery where the one of the rapists tries to look out the door through a peephole but there is no peephole so <laughs> he and th- that one part i was talking about where one of them shoots the cop in the back and then this like really happy music starts playing and turkey doesn't give a shit about the cop and just runs after the other guys doesn't help his buddy out so this movie has a whole lot going on in the beginning and then just becomes action sequence after action sequence after action sequence and it's dragged on and it has a very lackluster ending i thought it's it's a very uh low energy finale Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's a lot of just like stomping around the ranch with not a whole lot of going on i think I, I was I, I have written in my notes if we were to do a reboot of this, I would be the 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 guy who gets his woman stolen in the middle of the street and his toupee gets taken off. <laughs> that, that's my character. Like, God, I, these I are my out. actresses. <laughs> hey, you guys want to be actresses? That that's me. He was um, on his way to shoot a porn and they just stole them right from him. I didn't understand what at first I didn't know was the bad guy like did he film porn? Was that his thing? I think he was just he was just running prostitution rings. Okay, like like drugs and prostitution, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think the girls were for that club that we see later for oh. Mr. Pong's club, Heaven gotcha. and Earth. Gotcha. That, and that's another thing. Everybody's hanging out with just naked women in this movie. It's it's like a natural thing in Hollywood, or that's what they thought Hollywood was like in the eighties. I guess. And it probably wasn't far off. Yeah. <laughs> just drugs and naked bad. women, or this, or this director just wanted to hang around naked women. That's a good yeah. point. <laughs> Again, I I love how in Samurai Cop, uh, the the main character's buddy, his partner, is just like a super horny dude, and then in this movie, Jaguar, uh, Turkey's partner, is also just a very horny guy, and he he's down bad because he's like conning his way into the oil wrestling. Yeah. Oh, those women aren't tough. Oh, you'd be surprised, bud. I'll be the judge of that. And then he, <laughs> just say you want to wrestle the women, dude. You know. Yeah. And it takes <laughs> their tops off, which I'm not sure is it, the point of oil wrestling. I don't think that is the goal, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think you win by taking their tops off. And it's very unbecoming of a professional <laughs> to do that anyway. <laughs> it's like a detective. He's got a re- real responsibilities that people's lives hang out in the balance. He's like, <laughs> look what I just did. And and then, so the, the final shot of that scene is him 
he's underneath both women and he takes their tops off and he holds them up triumphantly. And the next shot, like smash cut to them outside of the, uh, uh, the outside of someone's house, like the, the father's house. Yeah. And just like such a jarring cut. Yeah. Joey Fresno's house. Another great name. Great name. That's this, this movie goes from great names to terrible names where you have (laughs) Joey Fresno and then you have Turkey. And then you have animal. Jag- and then jaguar. Yeah, jaguar, animal. Spaghetti. Uh, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just when, runs the gamut. When he got shot, I literally said out loud, I was like, spaghetti! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spaghetti. That I in, That's pretty genius to name a character, spaghetti. I like it. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it's definitely a mob name. Yeah, Freddy Spaghetti. Wasn't that a guy? Oh no that that's uh Parks and Rec. That's Parks and Rec. <laughs> is that a no? It's not Paul Shear's character. It's no. just a guy, right? Yeah, it's a guy that used to. Yeah, I think he was like a writer for Conan for a while. Oh, he used to be. Wow. A, he used to wind up in a whole bunch of sketches on Conan. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I don't really know his name, but it, Hollywood Cop. Oh, sorry. Were you I, my the last thing that I wanted to mention was I wish this movie spent more time on the kid and his kidnappers. Is that was that's a good movie right there. They had such great. It's like just watching the kidnappers basically be reduced to being babysitters is pretty hysterical. Just this the shouting match that one guy has with the kid over the sandwich. Yeah. Hey, sandwich kid. No, I don't want a sandwich. I want my mom. Shut up. No, you shut up. And they, they beat the living shit out of that kid. <laughs> he gets the taste knocked out of his mouth on a couple of occasions. Animal is about to tear his head off. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know he has he strikes up the the friendship with the Doberman. Yeah, uh, and in the the one scene where he first talks to the Doberman, he's like, "You're my friend, right? Yeah, you're gonna help me, right?" You can see the kid look nervously off screen. Yeah, like, like he's not gonna tear my my hand off, right? We're good here, right? Yeah, you promise. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I like when he asks, he says to the Doberman, he's like, you're just, I know you're just joking, right? Yeah, he's the dog whisperer. <laughs> you you want to help me, don't you? Yeah, you're good. Uh, so Hollywood Cop from 1987 is directed by Amir Shervan, who has directed Killing American Style, Young Rebels, and the Samurai Cop, which we have already covered. Stars James Mitchum, Cameron Mitchell, David Goss, Julia, Julia Schoenhofer, Lincoln Kilpatrick, Troy Donahue, Aldo Ray, Brandon Angle, and Larry Lawrence. It's an IMDb score of 4.1 and a Rotten Tomato score of 25% audience only. And I could not find a budget or box office for this. James Mitchum, who plays Mr. Feliciano, is the son of Robert Mitchum. So there's something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a weird one, but it's fun for the most part until it's not. I think that's that is the best way to describe this movie. It's a lot of fun until it isn't, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it because again, it's it's batshit crazy, and it, it's it's definitely it it kind of becomes Samurai Cop towards the end. I feel right. You you have that area where there's just a bunch of samurai or like martial artists uh, doing, you know, I guess right. training for something. Yeah. Uh, I I lost track of the plot really. Because it, it's a like you were saying, Ant, it's basically uh, they kidnap this kid for ransom. We need to find the dad. They find the dad. Dad dies. Now we just have to get the kid back. But then mm-hmm. after they get the kid back, it kind of just spirals out of control. And he the I, first of all, 
this movie has the classic, uh, you know, you're a loose cannon turkey, turn in your badge and gun right now. Yes, and, it does. And most of the time, it's not warranted. This time, 100% warranted. <laughs> yes, it <Yeah>. is. <laughs> because he has a line, Turkey has a line where he tells the police chief, why do you care so much about body count? What? What do you mean you care too much about body count? That's the whole, the whole point of being a cop is to prevent a body count, not to rack up the kills. A cab. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that depends on the type of cop you are. But but now you have to take the side of the police chief because he's trying to save people here from Turkey. He, he just he just doesn't want to take any more tums. That's the thing. <laughs> you crazy kids! It's, yeah, it's a tums it, festival. Yeah. But I th- this is the only time I've ever seen a movie where the police chief is warranted in taking away the badge and gun <laughs> of the hero. Yeah, it's like yeah, you you definitely need to sit a few years out. <laughs> yeah or just forever really yeah right because in, in a movie like lethal weapon those guys aren't just going around you know killing all willy-nilly they're they're, they're being fired upon first usually turkey's just he he's no you know taking names no prisoners whatever he wants to do it's just the hollywood is his oyster <laughs> yeah so you guys want to get into the plot let's do it i would love nothing more all right. Dan, what do you got for us? Like I do every week, going to give a shout out to Tia and Brittany. I got to reach out to them to see if they want me to say anything different. But until then, go over to geekvibesnation.com, search Top 10 with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and Brittany run down their top 10 lists of the week. You could follow Brittany at Brit on Twitter, and you could follow Tia on Twitter at TC underscore Stark. And we are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to list some messages from friends of the podcast, and we will be back in a second. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribe to the best little horror house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there welcome back now it's time to get into the plot for hollywood cup we open on a shot that starts a second too early as a bunch of thugs in suits sit around a pool with a bunch of girls in bathing suits 
One of them, Animal, lives up to his name as he keeps trying to steal the girls from all the other guys before he grabs one of them and he has to be restrained and the girl has to be taken away from him. Their boss, Mr. Feliciano, then shows up and tells one of the guys to get rid of the broads and lays out a kidnapping plan. He wants them to kidnap a kid that is living on a ranch. He wants his mother left alive. So, very reasonable, Mr. Feliciano. But Animal Butts. Okay. I was going to say, this is the moment where you thought Animal was going to kill the mother. Yeah, because even Animal butts in and says he'll kill everyone and laughs about it. Yeah, that's his character trait, by the way. He just laughs. He just laughs, Animal. yeah. I, I I gotta say, Mr. Feliciano, I know he's a mob guy and he's, you know, running drugs and he's, you know, running prostitution rings, but he wants the kid kidnapped but kept safe and alive. He doesn't want the mother harmed. And when the the dad brings them the money, he lets the kid go. Until he realizes it's fake money and the dad was trying to pull it over on him. So he, Fli- he's like the most understanding mob boss ever. Like, you he know, lets the dad go too. Yeah. Joey Fresno was going to walk out of there alive. That, how, I, I was expecting that, like, as soon as he leaves, they were like, all right, waste him. And then they just shoot him in the back. But no, he, yeah, he was like, all right, you're free to go, man. Thanks. Yep. All I wanted was my money. Pretty reasonable guy. And then, you know, they, they took advantage of him. So he's the real victim here. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, the boss then tells the others to keep an eye on Animal and tells them to go steal the kid. At the ranch, a little boy feeds a goat with a super racist name when his yep. mom comes out to tell him to stop washing the goat. What's the rhymes with sugar? No, it rhymes with Rambo, but it's not Rambo. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. So the, the I know the bucket says says sugar. But he tells the because the other kid asks him his name and he says Rambo, but with an S. Oh, you know, I did hear him say a name. That doesn't sound like sugar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. So fun fact, my dad's uncle had a black lab by the same name. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I think in like the 50s or 60s in very multicultural Brooklyn, New York. So. That guy was probably a piece of shit. Well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, good times. I've never met him. He died before I was born. But meanwhile, the goons drive up and park close by and get guns and masks and storm the ranch. The workers on the ranch run, but the goons storm the property, shooting everyone in their path that isn't the mom or the kid. The mom comes out and grabs the kid and brings him back in the house to hide. The goons break down the door and scour the house for her. They come to the bathroom and see the bathroom window open, so a bunch of them climb out to go after the mom. But one of them is wiser and opens up the shower curtain to find the mom and the kid. He knocks out the knocks the woman out and grabs the kid. Meanwhile, the boss, Mr. Feliciano, is looking over the girls his men brought him for his new Beverly Hills establishment. And he thinks they're real classy broads. He's very happy with the girls <laughs> they brought him. He likes to use the word broads a lot. Yeah. It's very set in a time period. You know what's weird? Because I, I, I always thought that was kind of disrespectful, right? That's a disrespectful way to say it. Yeah, I mean, if you call a woman abroad, I don't think she's going to enjoy that. I have a coworker who prefers to be called that. Okay. But not that I, I go around saying it, but <laughs> she she mentioned, because I, I would say, like, yes, ma'am. She's like, oh, don't call me ma'am. Call me broad. Like, well, I'm not going to say that. Why would I say that? That feels like it's a uh, it's a little bit of a trap, but yeah, yes, broad, <laughs> <laughs> right away, broad. Just call her sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, she said that man makes her feel old. Feel old. 
And what does Broadmaker feel like? Because right, that's like something from like the swing in twenties, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's something uh what Cary Grant or somebody like that would say. Yeah. In a movie. <laughs> Cary Grant's a little classier. I think like Frank Sinatra's calling the yeah. bloods. Would Cary Grant call them a dame? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be more dame category. That's my bad. I apologize, Cary Grant. <laughs> You're trying Frank to keep Cary Grant, Mark? Yeah. Sinatra's over there like, hey, Sammy, get away from my broad. <laughs> Pretty good. That's a spot on uh, uh, Blue Eyes right there. Thank you. You should hear my singing voice. Ooh. You're gonna have, that's for the Patreon. <laughs> exactly. To hear me sing like Frank Sinatra on the Patreon. As we cover Ocean's Eleven. Oh, nice. I like it. Uh, then he gets a phone call by one of his guys telling him that they got the kid. And then back at the ranch, one of the workers reads the ransom note to the mom. And the kid's dad owes Mr. Feliciano $6 million, which is a shitload of money. <laughs> yeah, for, and they for want 1980s. The, yeah. And they want the mom to get the money and bring it to Hollywood Boulevard for a drop. It's just for a ransom. It's like, all right, woman that lives on a ranch, you now owe the mob $6 million. I think a lot of animals, though. Yeah, I don't know. That goat better start talking. Six million dollars. <laughs> well, they they have plenty of horses, and yeah, they they probably they're sitting that land probably fetches a good amount. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, by the time by the time you get the the house on the market and you know escrow, by the time you close, that kid's gonna be in like college. Good point. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know what the economy was like in the eighties, so maybe they move it quick. <laughs> so she decides to go to Hollywood Police Station, and we have a montage of her getting harassed as she walks the streets of Hollywood. And afterwards, she stops off to get a hot dog at a stand. And while she's waiting online, the guy in front of her sees a cop car pull up outside a hotel across the street and gives his hot dog back to the vendor, and then goes talk to talk to the cops across the street. And that's Turk. He's a cop, a good cop, one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah, she. As that very well-delivered piece of dialogue from the hot dog vendor. (laughs) Yep. Turk goes to the troopers, and they tell him that the manager of the hotel reported a hostage situation, a potential rape and robbery. Their plan is to wait for the lieutenant, but Turk tells them it's going to be too late if they wait, so he draws his gun and tells the other cops to come with him. In the hotel room, the thugs have the husband tied to a chair as they proceed to rape the wife. Turk and another cop knock on the door, saying it's hotel management. And one of the thugs comes out another door and shoots the uniform cop in the back, then ducks back into the room. I, I think as we mentioned earlier, we're not paying enough attention to the one criminal here that has the uh, gift of clairvoyance and can see through a wooden door. I love it. <laughs> yeah. He, got, he goes to check and then he realizes, whoops, there's nothing there. <laughs> um, so Turk... Uh, um, Turk follows him and a chase ensues as he comes back out of the room and follows one of the thugs onto another floor when another uniformed cop chases another thug up to the roof. Turk reaches one of the thugs in the hallway and they shoot it out and Turk gets the best of them. Meanwhile, the uniformed cop chases after a thug that jumps from the roof and he tries to make a getaway, but the cop wings him in the shoulder. Meanwhile, the husband ha- the husband is now up and about carrying a machete with him that they chase the guy around the a- as they chase the guy around the alley. Until the husband catches up with them with the machete. He throws a machete, which cuts the thug's hand off, and then picks up the machete and holds it to the thug's throat. Then Turk comes up and says, I know this guy fucked your wife, but he's ours now. 
and the husband doesn't listen and cuts the thug's head off. Why are we not following the husband after this? Right? Yeah. That's the movie. That's where the movie should have gone. <laughs> yeah, that should be an interesting story. How to come to grips with decapitating someone with a machete. Oh, yeah, and then the uniform cop throws up right after it, which is pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> and that's the end of the scene. It, like, nothing yep. happens with the, the husband. Nothing happens with the wife. It's just, you know, that's it. Yeah. Back at the precinct, Turk gets chewed out by the captain, played by Captain Mitchell, and the lieutenant for going on his own. He scoffs at them and then leaves with his partner, Jaguar. Excellent name. Outside the precinct, the hot dog vendor then tries to give Turk his hot dog back. But then he sees the mom crying nearby. So he says, put some ketchup and hot and mustard on it. But then they talk to her. Him and Jaguar talk to the mom who tells them her son is kidnapped and she hasn't heard anything from the cops in three days. I, I wish that had been a running gag throughout the movie. The hot dog. Yeah. Every time they go past the police precinct, <laughs> the, the woman tries to give him the hot dog. And as he's about to take it, something pops up. Yeah. Was, and this woman's just like, Jesus Christ, take the hot dog. It's like, uh, why don't you put some relish on me on that for me? I'll be back in a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like I, a, I feel like that's a naked gun joke. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say if this is like a, a, a Zucker movie, right? Um or uh, like a Mel Brooks movie, that one hundred percent happens. Yeah. Uh so they go get coffee, leaving the hot dog. And she talks about the $6 billion the mob is owed, but she says she can't find her husband. Turkoff offers to work for the case with Jaguar and offers the mom a place to stay. Meanwhile, the son is being held in a room with a dog patrolling the outside. So naturally, he makes friends with the dog and tells the dog how he wants to play with him. But first, he has to get out of there. Back at Turks, Jaguar was able to pull some info on Joey Fresno, the kid's dad. Apparently, Joey Fresno was part of some plot that robbed the mob widow of $6 million. And Turk puts together that Joey Fresno must have double-crossed his buddies and walked off with the entire $6 million. Joe's wife, Rebecca, tells Turk that Joe has a cousin that's a wrestler and might know where Joe is. So they go to the Hollywood Tropicana where his cousin, Samson, works announcing oil wrestling competitions. They get Samson to come over and he says that Joe doesn't want people to know where he is. But Turk then tells him that the kid is sick, so Samson relents and gives up the address immediately. I, I find it kind of funny that... Uh... A man is named Samson, but is bald. Movie. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, I'm sure that that was planned. I bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's gonna get it 30, 40 years from now. <laughs> they, they, they had a whole thing where he retired from wrestling because he cut his hair or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, that's a good gimmick. Yeah, and they just and they okay. just cut it out of the movie because it was it was you know not needed. Well, it, well, it, it it takes away time from the uh, the oiled up women. Yeah. Yeah. Which you gotta have in. Yeah, I mean, that that's a pivotal scene in the movie, Mark. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. plot hangs on the oil wrestling. And before they leave, Jaguar scoffs at the whole idea that women in oil wrestling matches have any sort of skill. So in the middle of a kidnapping investigation in front of the mother, Jaguar gets into the oil ring and takes on two of the wrestlers. They roll around for a while, Jaguar having a grand old time until he eventually pulls both their tops off, which I'm not sure is the goal in oil wrestling. I, I wrote down this was the single greatest day of that actor's career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was very excited about it. I don't even think it, I don't know if it was in the script where like, oh, you, you pull off their tops and you like smile triumphantly. I think that's just his genuine reaction. I think he took those tops home as souvenirs. I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly <laughs> what he did. After afterwards, uh, Turk drives up 
to the address Samson gave them, and he and Jaguar goes to check the place out while Rebecca waits in the car. Turk and Jaguar find Joey Fresno surrounded by girls in the backyard, and one of the girls, who's I guess is the maid, spots Turk and Jaguar hiding in the bushes, tells Joey. So Joey makes a run for it down the back alleys. Did you notice how the women mob Jaguar? Yes. I'm working, ladies. I'm working. <laughs> this guy, this the, the whole point of Jaguar's being in this movie is just to fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Puss. Yep, that's that's all he's there for. Like Women, you know, women are just dying to get a hold of Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. So Turk takes off after Joey and Jaguar tries to, but he gets hung up by the girls. And Rebecca joins the chase and Turk winds up catching up to Joey by the beach and they have a fist fight until Rebecca breaks it up. Tells Joey that they that the mob took their son because of the money he stole and she tells him they need to bring the mob the six million dollars. He says it's not that easy and he needs more time before he could get it. And at this point, I thought he was just like that motherfucker spent six million dollars already. <laughs> that would have been a good idea, right? Because now he doesn't have it. Now they have to figure out a way to 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 go around. Yeah, that's what I thought. And Turk gives him his address and tells him that's where Rebecca will be once he figures out how to get the money. Back in the safe house, the kid Stevie argues with one of the goons about eating a sandwich. And then the goon slaps the kid across the face, tells him to eat it or starve. While the goons are occupied, Stevie hatches a plan to escape with the help of his dog friend. He reaches out a window and is able to pull the latch on the back door and escapes with the, uh, escapes the house with the dog. But the goons, including one named Spaghetti, realizes he's missing almost immediately and chases after him through the thicket in the back. Eventually, the goons corner Stevie and the dog, but when when Animal goes to pick Stevie up, Stevie kicks him right in the dick, and the dog bites another one of the goons in the arm, and then the other goon has to shoot the dog, unfortunately. And Animal catches up to Stevie and smacks the crap out of the kid, hurting him pretty badly. One of the other goons, who I think is Spaghetti, tears into Animal for nearly killing the kid. And he's, like, super nice to the kid. Yeah. Right? Spaghetti's like, oh, I got you, kid. You're gonna be all right. It, it this this gang i can't put my finger on it they're like they have a, a wild card but they're kind of nice yeah i guess that's why I like people liked Gotti so much you know sure he smacked the kid around a little bit but you know he didn't try and kill the kid yeah he he knows when to have a gentle touch yeah yeah feliciano meanwhile gets a call from spaghetti saying they have the kid and he's hurt bad but still alive. So Joe comes to Turk's house with the money, and the plan is that they're going to make an exchange with Feliciano at the safe house with Turk and Rebecca waiting in the wings. So Joey goes to make the exchange at the safe house, and he immediately gets slapped by Feliciano. Then Feliciano tells Spaghetti to bring Joey to see Stevie, and Joey goes to see Stevie, and Stevie tells Joey that he hates him for leaving his mom and him, and that he'd rather die than leave with Joey. And then Joey tells Stevie that he has blood cancer, and he has been self-medicating the pain away with drugs and alcohol and women, I suppose. And he had to leave because he didn't tell Rebecca he had cancer. So she she just thought he was some sort of bum, which is an insane story. It kind of feels made up, right? Yeah. yeah. I, that's a good question. Do we do we believe he has blood cancer? Oh, I, I think so, because he he's pretty broken up about it. Yeah, and it's too elaborate of a story that you, you can come up with something a lot easier to tell a kid. Yeah, yeah I suppose. I also, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I also didn't believe that he, there was going to be anything waiting for him in the attic. Oh, that's a good point. I was going to bring up that he immediately wins the kid over by saying he got him a Christmas present. Yeah, I thought that was a lie, too. It, it, that would have made more sense to be a lie, I think. Because <laughs> right, like, all right, this kid's not buying my blood yeah. cancer story, so I got to just go for 
go for broke here. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, Walter White, when he got cancer, he just started cooking meth. And Joey Fresno, once he started, once he got blood cancer, he just started fuck hookers. You know, <laughs> everyone has their path. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it's about healing and however you're going to do it is, and, you know, well, that's your journey. Why doesn't he tell the wife? I don't know. Right. The wife would be understanding, I'd imagine. I would think, hey, honey, I have blood cancer. You oh lying my God. son of a bitch. <laughs> like, we should figure out to do something about this instead of like, I'm just going to drink, not work, I suppose, and do drugs. Well, yes. you know what, you know what yeah. would help this situation? If we had millions of dollars. Oh, wait yep. a minute. I do. <laughs> yeah. Not, not the smartest, smartest person there, that Joey Fresno. Excellent name, but still not smart. Right. Yeah. With a name like that, you don't need to be smart. Sure. But but at the same time, fuck the kid, because he gives up on his morals at the, the first sign of a present. Sure. Right? So it's like, oh, I don't want to be with you. I'd rather die. I got you a Christmas present. Oh, okay. Let's go. I'm like, all right, you yeah. know, kid, sometimes you got to stick to your guns a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he does kind of give up his uh, his convictions a little bit. But I guess his point was like, hey, you never went to see me. And dad was like, sure, I did. I saw you on Christmas Eve. I was looking through the window, which, again, is a weird thing to say. It's so creepy. <laughs> Don't tell the kid. I mean, I guess the kid doesn't care. But that's one again, 100 percent. See you later, Zville. You, yeah, they, you they, say, I'm spying on you from the shadows. The kid is definitely going to bring up that up in therapy one day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, after he talks about the fact that he watched his dad get gunned down, right. well, he he goes back to the during the 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 uh, exchange, and the father gets gunned down. He runs over to the dad. I'm like, he's probably going to try to find out where the present was, right? <laughs> where was where was it again, Dad? Just tell me again. Uh, they tell he tells Stevie he left a present for him in the attic of their house, and then Stevie forgives him, and then they leave the house. Turk hands the money to Animal, who checks it out, not very well, then laughs his head off and calls Turk ugly for no reason. I and forgot about that part. <laughs> All right, ugly, get out of here. Feliciana lets both Stevie and Joey go, and Animal hands him the money. Then Feliciano immediately, immediately clocks it as fake, so he sends his goons after the four of them. Joey immediately gets gunned down, kind of, you know, good. And then they wind up grabbing the kid back, and the gunfight ensues between Turk and the goons. If Joey knew the money was fake, why wasn't he making more of a hustle to get out of there? Yeah, right? That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of an idiot, again. Yeah. It was the blood cancer that was kind of yeah. fogging his his uh, his mind there. Yeah. There we go, Dan. <laughs> Joey immediately gets gunned down. He manages, so Turk manages to shoot spaghetti, but the rest wind up getting away. And Joey dies before they can find out where the money is. Guys, you like to say that the movie went downhill after... Uh, Joey, the dad, got shot and all this happened. But I argue that it's when Spaghetti leaves the movie. <laughs> but but that's the same time frame, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so there, I there you can go. make an argument. There's not a random mobster yelling, hey, Spaghetti! Yeah, you, you need that. That's the good point, Mark. You need that in this movie. Yeah. Another, right, thing, spaghetti. The, another thing that holds the plot together. No, Spaghetti lives. Oh, I thought he I thought he kills him after... Uh, he's in, no, he's in the uh, hospital. Oh, that's right. And he he's kind of fingering his his gunshot wound, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's got to be a better way to say that, but yes. <laughs> I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
back in the precinct, the captain chews out Turk again, telling him that every day ends with a Tums festival. He's going to go take a shit because the stress Turk causes him and tells him to turn in his badge. Captain puts the lieutenant in charge of the case and tells Turk he needs to be out of the precinct by the time he gets back from the bathroom. Before Turk leaves, he gets into a fistfight with the lieutenant, which Jaguar breaks up. And despite being told to stay away from the case, Turk immediately goes to the hospital to get some information from Spaghetti. But a female cop is standing guard and won't let him in, so he tries to sweet-talk her and kisses her on the neck. But then she grabs him by the dick and tells him to stay out of the room. That's another samurai cop callback, is it not? Very much so, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I remembered that. And Jaguar comes by at the moment, at that moment and tells her to take a break, and then Jaguar and Turk just go in to interrogate Spaghetti. When Spaghetti wakes up, Turk presses on his bullet wound until he tells him that Feliciano made an agreement with a guy named Fong to hide the kid in one of his properties, that Fong runs a bunch of cat houses in the cities. Uh, and then Turk gets, at, gets it out of him that Animal was the one that smacked around Stevie. Jaguar and Turk go to cat, to one of the cat houses. They hassle the guy the guy at the front who said they weren't on the list until a bunch of goons come in telling them that Fong wants to see them. So the goons bring them into a storage room where there is no Fong and a fight breaks out. And Turk and, Turk and Jaguar successfully beat up a bunch of guys that look like they know martial arts. Yeah, good old red-blooded Americans just haymaking all over the place defeats this martial art yep. group. Yep. And all the training in the world never beats a perfectly placed haymaker, right? After they dispatch of the goons, Jaguar and Turk go room to room looking for Fong, stumbling upon a senator, an African prince, and a prostitute that botches the 68 joke. Uh, it should be. How about a 68? That's where you go down on me and I owe you one. But she doesn't get it. Uh, eventually, they come across Fong, and they tell him that Feliciano has stashed a kid at one of his places, and if he tells them where to find the kid... They won't arrest them. So Fong tells them Turk makes a plan to meet up with some biker friends of his. And he tells Jaguar to arrest Fong because Turk specifically told Fong that he wouldn't arrest him. So getting around on technicality. Then Turk calls up a group of bikers that he apparently helped out at some point, And he tells them he needs their help. So they all roll out to give Turk a hand. Turk goes to meet with Jaguar, but waiting for him outside his house is Lieutenant Maxwell. who plans to arrest Turk on possession of a concealed weapon. So Turk appeals to the fact that Maxwell's a father of a kid about Stevie's age, and it works. So not only is Max not going to arrest Turk, he's going to come and help Turk rescue the kid. He creepily describes this guy's kid, by the way. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's got, like, pictures. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've noticed those photos, not that I've stared at them the entire time we've been together. <laughs> I, I just realized we don't really know much about Turk. Nope. Right? We were, like, almost finished with this movie, and... We don't learn we, a damn thing about yeah, him. We don't know a damn thing about him. We don't know what he likes to do for fun. What he, we, you know, yeah. where he where he is from, really. Yeah, we, we do, Dan. We know he's one of the good ones. That's true. Yeah, he's that's all we need to know, I guess. All we need to know. That's Turk. He's a cop. A good cop. A good cop. Yeah, <laughs> th- those are the adjectives that you have, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting to find out why he's a good cop. Right, he's done nothing <laughs> to indicate <laughs> such things. Yeah. We learn more about Jaguar, really. Yeah, he's a horn dog. <laughs> he is. That's like one extra like characterization that we have on him than we do Turk. Yeah. Um, Turk goes to meet up with Jaguar, but waiting for him outside. Okay, we've got this. Uh, they drive up and meet with the bikers, and they plan to descend on the house where Stevie is being held. The bikers climb up the hill. One of the <laughs> did you notice the one guy that almost fell down? Yes. <laughs> where he has to grab like a weed to balance himself. 
<laughs> it, one of the guys almost gets hit by the car, I think. Yeah. that was, It was real close. Uh, bikers climb up the hill while Turk drives around the other side of the house. And for some reason, Rebecca is here in a situation that will 100% lead to a gunfight. There's no way around that. But for some reason, he's like, yeah, white mom, take a gun and join us as we try and get your kid back. Instead of maybe wait at my house. I thought that was great. <laughs> Inside the house, a few of Feliciano's goons play cards while a whole bunch of guys practice martial arts in the yard. Turk goes around the back and finds a set of stairs, which he brings Rebecca up and they gain access to the house. They wind up in the kitchen and Turk knocks out a couple of servers. Meanwhile, Animal is preoccupied with one of the girls and there seems to be like a full on party going on in the house. Possibly an orgy. Probably an orgy. Turk goes back around the house and finds the room where Stevie's being held and he's able to ta- take the bars off the window. And they pull Stevie through the, do- the window and makes a run for it. Meanwhile, bikers and goons are just having an all out brawl in the yard of the house. And the goons realize the kid's gone, and the car chase ensues as Rebecca and Turk leave Stevie in the car. The car chase goes on for far too long until every- eventually they wind up in an empty lot. And the goons' car flips and it catches fire and then explodes with one of the guys catching on fire. That that car after the flip looked like the most. We've done this two or three times already to this <laughs> car, and this was the sure. good take. <laughs> Turk makes it back to the house with Stevie and Rebecca and Animal. One of the guys follow Turk back to the house, decides to call Mr. Feliciano and let him know. Luciano is in the middle of beating up one of those one of his pimps who is stealing money from him, but he takes the call and tells his guy he'll send a couple more guys his way. So Turk, Rebecca, and Stevie have dinner, and then Turk tells Stevie to go play his video game. I really wanted to know what video game he was going to play. Me too. I had that written down in my notes. What are <laughs> they playing in 1987? Yeah, uh, maybe it's Zelda. I, I was going to say there's a good there's a good chance it's a uh, it's it's just Mario three. Every movie made at this time period is just people playing unreleased copies of mario 3 you think the you think the makers of this movie have pull to get super mario bros 3 two years early that'd be pretty epic if they did yes (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna let you have uh you know we're gonna let you see the movie before anyone else does amir shervan is one of one of like seven people that has pre-release copy did did i say they got it officially from nintendo no that's a good point oh yeah mr feliciano they stole it from uh from Nintendo headquarters, they, they they give they let them borrow some of the classy broads that they have. Yeah. Real classy broads. <laughs> some of the real classy broads for yeah, your yeah, Super yeah. Mario Three. Yeah, Mr. Fong helped him get it. <laughs> He's got ties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nintendo's a bunch of nerds throwing women at them would probably work. Right, and and they they've been working on this game for a long time, I'd imagine. So they need a little they need a little something. Yeah. And then Turk and Rebecca confess their feelings for each other, and then they make out. Next morning, Turk drives Rebecca and Stevie back to their house to get some things, and a few goons follow them. While they're collecting things, Stevie says he wants to go into the attic and get the present that Joey left him. Turk takes a look and pulls down the bag, which just so happens to have the money that Joe stole. Everyone is really happy because they're rich, all of them knowing full well that Feliciano is still out there looking for them. Yeah, Um, Yeah, they don't even mention it. They're like, there's... They're done. Yep. Yeah. At this point, there was nothing else that could have been in an attic than the money. Like it made no sense for him to find anything once they came back yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's either nothing or it's the money. So like this is part of the pro the problem I have with the structure of this last half is like that should be the that should be the end, right? Yeah. That yeah. should be the, the 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 ending of the movie. It's like, oh my God, look, we're rich. Yay. It was just, like, but my present. Yeah. We're actually pretty good. 
Um, the present was the actual copy of Super Mario 3. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I think like this movie would be a lot better if they only save the kid once, right? right. And there's one less. So it goes save the kid, car chase, or save the kid, lose the kid, save the kid, car chase, back to the house, then back to the ranch shootout, which is like. Uh, yeah, I think so. There's, there's, there's got to be a way to streamline all of that. Like save them once, then go back to the ranch at the very end is like the epilogue. It's like, oh, well, you know, let's just go get some stuff. There's nothing for us here anymore, Stevie. But daddy said he left me a hat present in the attic. Oh, we're rich. Yay. Yep. That's how it goes. That's how it should chronologically go. You don't you don't lose the kid. Kid escapes. Captured. Kid escapes. Captured. Rescue the kid. Goons come. That's that, that's too long. It's it's too, yeah. too much going on there. Yeah. There's too many times that feel like it could be at the end. Yeah. And while they're collecting things. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then sure enough, Feliciano is there with a whole bunch of goons when they walk outside the house. And a gunfight ensues as Turk and Rebecca try to get away with Stevie. So we get an extended scene of people stomping around the ranch, occasionally shooting at each other. Animal gets shot in the dick and then a few more times by Rebecca. Turk shoots a few guys and they eventually, then eventually Feliciano gets the drop on Turk. But Rebecca comes up from behind Feliciano and grabs him while Turk kicks the gun out of his hands and then they fist fight. Eventually, Rebecca manages to toss the shotgun to Turk, who then shoots Feliciano twice, and then Feliciano dies. And then after, back at the precinct, the cop gives Turk, the captain gives Turk his badge back and tells him that him and Maxwell are going to be partners from now on, because Jaguar has a new lady detective he's going to be partnered with. And that is the end of Hollywood Cop. That's the note they end on. Oh, you guys didn't stay for the after credit scene? I did not. Oh, with Jaguar oil wrestling the new partner? <laughs> no, mine cut to the next movie right after, right before that. Oh yeah, you missed out, man. Beautiful mm. scene. Yeah. Again, yeah, a lot of fun, but mm, if if that second half is tightened up a little bit, because uh, it does feel like it's kind of a perpetual motion machine, it's kind of going in circles there after the dad dies. The most the movie should be trying to find the dad up until the third act, right? Yeah. Yes. With with the beeline of the kid and the dog becoming friends yes and then the dad is killed in that final scene right so yeah yeah, you have the mom and turk are are getting closer you know Mm -hmm. romantically while looking for the dad but you know the dad's still there so she can't fully give herself to turk but then he gets gunned down like an idiot and uh now she can give himself or give herself to turk fully yeah because most of the most of the movie could stay intact. Like they could be at that that whorehouse where they find Fong, and they could be just looking for the dad there. Right. You know, all these all these places they go looking for someone or other could be the them just looking for the dad. Yep. But look, because like Fong doesn't need to be in this movie. That could just be a place owned by Feliciano. All these places that they went to could have been owned by Feliciano. Doesn't need to be anybody else. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. That's that's Hollywood Cop. It's a good time, but yeah, like we said, where is that? It's welcome. Um, which what? Which one do you think you like better, Samurai Cop or this? Probably Samurai Cop because it's it has so many fuck ups in that that it's fun. Mm-hmm. And this one again, it just it it starts off goofy and then tries to rebound in the second half and become a an actual like action film. 
Yeah. Where it just doesn't fit. It doesn't, it's, feels like two two different movies sometimes yeah uh samurai cop is just balls to the wall goofiness and you know what you know what you're getting throughout that movie this one it was kind of up in the air yeah i think so it's funny because like samurai cop was like his like later a movie that he made later in his career but it's i don't, I don't want to say it's less competent but it's goofier right yes um and this one i think this one is is not as fun because it it plays it safe it more safe i suppose and i think that's what it is it's trying to be competent mm-hmm. and it's just playing things safe it's like let's kind of let's find see things that we've seen in like beverly hills cop yeah and, it, it kind of does feel like that right right you know beverly yeah. hills not that far from hollywood there you go <laughs> yeah I, I you don't know anything about the main characters really yeah uh, they're, they're kind of boring characters other than Jaguar, who's just a horn dog. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, you don't, you, you're not invested in any of these characters. Maybe the kid. I need it. I need more of a uh, Cameron Mitchell, uh, captain or whatever he was. Yeah. Or whatever his rank was just more scenes of, of uh, Turk getting chewed out by him and him complaining about taking tomes. <laughs> I, I agree. I think that was, that, that was a, pretty fun to watch him just blow a gasket on turk <laughs> all right okay i was gonna say like after each ill-advised thing turk does it just cuts to cameron mitchell and it yeah. just becomes it becomes like a wax action hero yeah that's right <laughs> and then the, the final at the end the the captain just dies from like all the bodies that turk has piled up <laughs> who knew too many tums could be an overdose right yeah he overdoses on tums <laughs> Well, the captain died, so you get your job back, Turk. And then they they all laugh and freeze frame. By default. Yeah, yep. The two best words in the English language. All right. I think that's all we got to say on Hollywood Cop. Uh, Yeah. Check us out next week. Like I said, we're going to have our July movie of the month poll go up on our Twitter page. That's TCTA on pod. Tick Tam for for short. Some people call TC Tam. I'm not one of those people. But. Yeah, it's just a, a preference. I like the I like the hard C letters. You also say raccoon, so we can't always <laughs> take you at your word. Sure, but raccoon <laughs> is correct. Uh, it, it's not wrong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's good. That's going to wrap us up this week. Check out it all, uh, us out on all the socials. If you want to give us a five star review on any of your podcatchers of choice, that would be a great help to us. And that's going to wrap it up. So, the director of Hollywood Cop is Amir Shervan. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Pavicchio telling Amir Shervan, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie.
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.